Welcome to the Advisor Arena Podcast with your hosts, Jamie Malm and Josh Watson. This show is designed to share ideas and help you gain insight from some of your most successful peers. We will discuss industry news, hot topics, and challenges you may face, as well as give you some possible solutions. Thanks for joining us today. Let's get started. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Advisor Arena Podcast. I've got Josh Watson on here with me, but we have a special guest today. Mr. Michael Binger, Mike, thanks for joining us. Well, thank you. I feel honored to be on the uh, to be the, on the podcast for the first time. Wow, we're, we love having you. So, for those of you that aren't familiar with Mike, he is the president of Gradient Investments. You are often on like Fox Business News or Bloomberg, some of these national media outlets. So, I feel pretty honored that you're now on the Advisor Arena podcast. I feel like I've upped our game a little bit here having you as a guest. Well, thank you. So no surprise, we join, We asked you to join because obviously the markets are off to a bit of a rocky start here in 2022. Um, and that's where we start to get questions from advisors, from consumers. It's where we see people start to make maybe some mistakes that are pretty common because they're letting emotions drive them. So we want to pick your brain a little bit. You're the expert here. Let's talk about first kind of the emotional aspect of investing. Would you say we're nearing the territory where people are starting to make emotional reactions? Uh, I would say we're not there yet because in when you think about it, Jamie and Josh, we're uh, you know we're coming off a 2020 year and a 2021 year where markets were up 20 percent plus in both years, and we've only pulled back about four percent in in in. January. So people are still feeling very confident and, you know, very flush in their portfolios that have been in the stock market because they, uh, you, you, you know, when you think about it, they're up close to 50% in the past two years and now they're only down four or 5%. So we haven't hit any, in my opinion, capitulation stage or, you know, you know, panic stage, that kind of thing. But I said, we're down 4%. We get down to like maybe if we have a 10% correction, which in my opinion is is totally a healthy market correction after two strong years, that's when I think you'll start seeing people getting a little emotional and questioning and that kind of thing. Yeah, I you can't hardly turn on the TV and watch any kind of news program without them talking about getting into market correction territory and the fear that investors have. But what kind of role is the economy playing in that? Obviously, I don't want to get too political here, but we've got... We're coming off stimulus packages, the great resignation. There's a lot of talk about the the Fed and what they're going to do with interest rates. How much is that playing into everything right now? Well, right now, the economy, in my opinion, is very strong. So I don't think the economy is what's affecting, you know, the correction we're having right now. It's a I'm going to say two things are really affecting it. Is there some concern about, you know, where's the Omicron? Uh, you know, variant of COVID going to take us here? Are we going to have to shut down? Is it slowing some sectors down like restaurants and travel and those kind of things? But more importantly, what's crept into the picture here that we haven't seen in, in, in really 15 years is inflation is back. Mm. And the markets do not like inflation. Uh, we, we just hit a 7% number in the last report, which is really quite a startling number. Um, most people feel like the, that inflation has peaked and it's going to come back down. We'll see. Um, but markets don't like inflation because the only way you can battle inflation is the Fed has to raise interest rates, which in turn 
slows down those fundamentals that drive stock prices higher. Like it slows the economic growth. It slows corporate profitability. It, it, it kind of puts a pause to consumers and their purchasing, those kind of things. So that's the biggest worry. And I think that's why the market is pulling back a little bit. So what's your opinion here with the Fed raising rates? You think they're going to raise rates here a few times over the next, what, six months, 12 months? What do you think that the next year looks like for us in that regard? So in 2022, right now, they've said we need to raise rates three times. Okay? Um, we haven't raised rates in forever, really. So three times in one year, that's really getting the attention of investors. I think it actually could be four times because we've hit this inflation. There's a lot of talk about is this inflation temp- temporary or transitory uh, due to supply chain issues. Probably, we're probably not going to sit at six and seven percent for a long time. But for the past 10 to 15 years, we've really sat at around, you know, one percent inflation where people have worried more about deflation than inflation. I think we're going to sit more around in the back half of the year at three percent, which is above long term averages. So the Fed is going to raise rates. Uh, They're probably going to do it four times this year. To me, that's okay because we're coming off these, you know, really historically low levels of interest rates. Um, so we'll see. Uh, it, it, but it is a new dynamic in the markets, and investors are kind of digesting that right now because when interest rates go up, market valuations tend to come down a little bit. So that's what's putting a pause in this bull market that we're having lately. Yeah, I think that's really good info because we hear so much about inflation, but sometimes there's you know, the connections are get lost a little bit on what is the actual impact along the way. So you said markets don't like inflation. Obviously, we're at way higher than normal right now. If it does start to ease back a little bit and hovers around that 3%, which is still a little bit above average, how do you think the markets react to inflation that eases back to that level, if that's what we're expecting? So I'm going to give you two things. So number one, it, it appears that Omicron, and I hope I'm saying that right, but I think it's Omicron variant of COVID. My husband calls it Abercrombie because he can't Abercrombie. remember. So <laughs> well, I'm in his camp a that's little a, bit. That's a, that's it, a teenager clothing line, I think, but so yeah, close. It, it, it appears that we have peaked there. So I think that fear is subsiding in the market right now. Uh, inflation has not peaked yet because the last report, you know, was a, a, a new high. So if it does start to subside, Omicron starts to subside. That would mean I, I think the economy will continue on strong then. I think corporate profitability will be very good. And I think the market will start to march a little higher after that. But it's really key to see this inflation number come under control. There's mixed feelings about it out there. Uh, you know, numbers are what they are. And right now they're hot. Understood. So, Josh. One of the things that you and I deal with a lot is the 10-year treasury, because of course, that's something that annuity companies are looking at for pricing caps and participation rates and things like that. How often are you checking the 10-year treasury to see where it's going, Josh? You know, uh, I'll, I'll check it at least at least every week just to see where it's at and, uh, and how it's doing. So um, that is important. Like I said, that affects annuity rates a lot. So yeah, all the time. So, Mike, I'm going to ask you, and this may not be your area of expertise, but we're seeing the 10-year treasury in record low numbers the last few years, which obviously, you know, that hurts us a little bit on what we can offer from the annuity side of things. I just was watching, I don't know what, what 
what I had on the background today, but it's saying they expect that 10-year treasury to get back up around the 3% mark, which we haven't even broke two for quite some time, I don't think. So what does that do? We know what it does on the annuity side. What impact does that have like with the bond markets or investments or how is that all related then on your side? Yeah. So as you said, the 10-year treasury, it's really the benchmark interest rate that everyone in the U.S. watches. Um, And, you know, you said it hasn't risen much, but it really has. I mean, just think about last year in 2020 and not 2020, but back in 2020, remember when folks were worried about negative yields and all those things? Ten year was down around 50 basis points. Today, it's at about 1.8. I think, I don't think it's going to end at 3% by the end of the year, but I think about 2.5% is in the cards. Um, Obviously, rising interest rates are going to be good for the annuity market because that, you know, cap cap rates are always going to lag where interest rates go, right? So if interest rates are moving up, eventually annuity cap rates will go up, which would be good for that market. Um, You know, a lot of people use bonds as a relatively safe haven out in the marketplace. Now, that's been a good place for probably 30 years as interest rates have gone way back in the 80s. Interest rates were around 18% and they've been dropping steadily for 30 years, which makes a pretty good bond market for 30 years. That whole game, in my opinion, has changed. Um, so when interest rates rise, bond prices fall. So what's been a pretty good, what, what's been number one, a safe haven and, and number two, a place to earn a pretty good return, you know, and kind of mid single digits on the bond market. My opinion, that game's over. I don't think bonds are really a safe haven anymore. Um, and that's why gradient investments is cautious on the bond market. So that makes other areas, you know, because no one, you know, most folks that we deal with in retirement uh, uh, or nearing retirement, they're not going to, you know, they need some element to save money. They're not going to be comfortable with hundred percent stock market. Um, so some of these bonds, some of these annuities, I think annuities are becoming more attractive than bonds right now for that safe money. Uh, I think uh, MIGAs are a great place right now um, because you have that short duration right? In a MICA, it's more of a shorter term contract. If you think rates are rising, you don't want to really lock in longer. You want to lock in shorter and see and re-up when rates you think are going to be a little higher. So right now, I mean, I've been telling people, look, for safe monies, you know, use that short term MICA. You know, I think that's a pretty good place to be. Josh and I talk a lot about bond alternatives and, and safe money options. And you mentioned annuities. My guess for those that aren't familiar with that term, multi-year guarantee annuity, that's where we're talking about the short term. It's a multi-year guaranteed rate, works kind of like a CD, but typically much higher than what you could get at a bank through a CD. Um, yeah. we're, seeing a, we're seeing a lot of interest in like short-term FIAs too, same kind of concept, you know, stay short-term, maybe a, you know, a five-year instead of a 10-year and get away from that bond market. It's funny if you look at, you know, some of the reports and and illustrations and things that carriers will say, let me show you what this has done over the last 30 years, but it's got a bond component. So of course, you know, over the last 30 years, as interest rates have come down, bond prices have gone up. Well, we're about as low as we can get. So we only have one place to go, right? And I think it just takes a little bit of common sense where the average investor can say, okay, that makes sense to me. I don't, 
you know, I, I'm not an expert in investments, but I can see where we only have really one direction to go with bonds. And mm-hmm. the for younger people, maybe where an annuity isn't the right fit where they can't or, or it doesn't make sense to go in. What do you say for the people that are wanting to generate income that have typically done that from, you know, like a, a traditional stock bond portfolio? They're too young or maybe it's just not a right fit for annuities. Where are you looking at for that for for income? Yeah. So for for income oriented folks who are, you know, maybe younger, um, annuity isn't you know, right for them. Maybe even a mic isn't right for them. Uh, we, we have a new product at Great Investments called the Designed Income Portfolio, um, where it's instead of based off interest rate risk, you, you know, the, you, you take stock market risk with it as far as getting your principal back and getting your coupons paid and those kind of things. And we're able to get some pretty strong coupons there uh, where we get annual yields of around between 8 and 10%, which is pretty strong. Um, so I would encourage, you know, you, you, you folks out there to look at the designed income portfolio. Uh, we have an absolute yield portfolio, things like that. Um, but there is market risk there. So there's really, there's really no ideal situation to try and generate premium income right now. Um, it's just like anything, there is no free lunch. You know, if you want premium income in that, you know, five to 10% coupon range, you're going to take some kind of market risk along with that. So it's really a balance of, return and safety. Um, so, you, you know, like you talked about MIGAs or short-term FIAs, I mean, the cap rates there are what? Yeah. I mean, it just, it caps, you're probably not going to find more than four or 5% if it's a cap. And right. if anybody's telling you more than that, you know, Josh and I try to set really realistic expectations, especially to benefit the end consumer. We don't want anybody out there telling somebody to expect double digit returns in an annuity. Yes, it can happen. Yes, it has happened but it's not what they're designed to do long-term. So I think right. for, you know, for anybody that's listening, I can't stress enough as you're putting plans together for clients should always have some safe money and some money that they can take some additional risk with, but mm-hmm. really dig in on what they're, what they're willing to give up. Are they willing to give up some safety or are they willing to give up some returns? Cause there's not going to be a perfect match there, but that, that, I, I appreciate the feedback on bonds because that's yeah, always that, a hot topic. Yep. That was very well said. I, I, I mean, there is no, I mean, if you want higher premium, you're taking a little more risk. If you want no downside, you're going to look at those, you know, three to 5% type of caps. Yep. Yep. Understood. Okay. So I can't let you go without asking about the hot topic that everybody wants to know about Bitcoin, cryptocurrency. What do you think? I, I think I shared this on a previous podcast, but I was going in for like a surgical procedure. <laughs> And, and as they're like giving me the drugs and I am, you know, almost asleep, they say, Hey, I gotta ask you a quick question. These are the two doctors. What do you think about Bitcoin? And I was like, what? what? (laughs) And then I was out. So you can't hardly go anywhere in our industry and not have somebody ask you about it. So I got to pick your brain a little bit. What do you think? Here's my thoughts. Uh, I tend to be a little old school. So when these new things come out here, I, you know, I'm like, well, that's just, you know, kind of dismissive and all that. Um, But Bitcoin has been around for a while. And I'm going to say cryptocurrency instead of Bitcoin, because we're really talking about cryptocurrencies. Um, You know, cryptocurrencies are really the currency for blockchain technology, which I'm not going to get into it because I don't really know that much about it. But what I do know is that it's getting more real. It's getting more established. You know, it's probably a $3 trillion market right now or asset class. 
um, to put that in some perspective, like the, um, you, you know, the ETF market is 10 or 12 trillion. So it's becoming a real asset class. People are investing in it. I still think it's more of a trading asset where people are speculating on it, you know, buying it today and hoping the price goes up later. Um, but proponents of it will say, look, it's a global currency. One central government can't, you know, can't affect it. Um, you can't people, you know, more and more companies are allowing you to buy and sell things using cryptocurrency. So the biggest hurdle for me is that at our custodians and, and main line, mainstream custodians like TD Ameritrade or Schwab, those kind of places, you don't really custody there. You don't buy Bitcoin or, or crypto or Ethereum or whatever you want to buy on those. Um, that's going to be solved, I think, this year where ETFs are coming out based off crypto prices. So at that point, I think it's legit. And if someone came to me and said, like, hey, I'm thinking about putting 10 percent of my money into a, you know, into this crypto coin, I would say, you know what, instead of doing just one, why don't you buy a basket of them through an ETF? And I would endorse that because it seems to be more mainstream. It's it's gaining attention. Um, some corporations are starting to use it. So. I would endorse it, but only for around 10% of someone's net worth. So that's really good feedback. And I think you've said something there that maybe a lot of people don't realize. TD Ameritrade, Schwab, some of those, you can't just go to them and say, hey, I, I want to have this account through TDA and it's going to own Bitcoin. But you think right. that'll be solved this year. We're going to have some more options. We're going to have ETFs, which are basically, yep. for those that don't know, kind of like a, a mutual fund, but lower fees, yep. more transparent, but allows you to pool into different asset classes there. Correct exchange traded funds, you can get into the cryptocurrency market in a more diversified manner instead of consolidating. See, right now, if you want to buy a cryptocurrency, you need to do it based off an app like Coinbase or something like that. But when it becomes investable at a mainstream custodian, I think it's legit at that point. And I would, you know, I would say people should start to look at it and invest in it. Okay. Really good feedback. All right. So to recap, we talked about the economy and inflation, kind of where we're at with those interest rates, um, bond alternatives, what we're looking at for income, and then some of these alternative investments. Josh, for kind of next steps here for people that want to be proactive, let's talk through like what we recommend doing, open communication, comma, those types of things. What do you tell somebody that wants to be proactive with this with their, with their clients? Yes, I think it, uh, it it always all starts with the comma. Obviously, like Mike was saying, you know, the market's pulled back here 4% recently, but over the last couple of years, it's been up pretty significantly. And so a lot of those people are now, they've had some pretty good gains in their investment accounts. So they're probably going to be over allocated to their investment accounts and maybe outside of their comfort zone as far as their risk tolerance. So comma is a great place to start, get that, get that in front of everybody. Especially so let me let me interrupt you real quick for those of mm -hmm. us that or those of you that are listening that aren't sure what comma means. That's our color money risk analysis. We do it online. So it's an 11 mm -hmm. question uh, survey, basically, where we can gather the info information needed to see how somebody feels about money and risk and loss. If you're not using comma, you're probably using something like that. But how frequently, you know, how often are you going back to say, you know, do we need to look at rebalancing your portfolio or do we need to revisit this stage in your life and has your tolerance for risk and and loss changed so that's what you're talking about start there and make sure that 
with all clients, you know what's changed in their life and if that model still fits. Exactly. And there is a lot like, uh, again, back to what Mike was saying, there is a lot going on in the economy. You've got inflation. Uh, you've got um, uh, just like you said, the market pulling back, all of those different things. So this is a perfect time. They want answers. Perfect time to uh, to start reaching out, be proactive and uh, get them back into the office. And I think being proactive with information, Mike, your team puts together weekly mm-hmm. commentary. You do monthly kind of market updates. I know you do quarterly type webinars. Yep. Yep. Tell me. Do, so- uh, yeah, we, we, we do weekly talking points. We do twice a month market reflections. We do a once a month market commentary. We do a quarterly economic webinar. We just put out our, it's about a 20 minute market outlook for 2022 um, economic and market outlook. So we provide a lot of investment content that's available to anyone out there to look at. And uh, just to, you know, and the purpose is just to keep people updated on what's going on in the economy and the stock market and bond markets. And if you go to gradientinvestments.com, there's two avenues to go through, right? You can go through as a financial professional if you want to be proactive and send that to your clients. But you can also go and clients can access it directly also, right? They can go in through the client-facing side and they can just go access that market commentary and everything directly. Absolutely. Yes. It's excellent information. I love sending it to my clients. I always remind our advisors to send it because you're, you're dealing with really comprehensive plans for people. That's what we're putting together for our advisors, for the end consumer. And we don't want somebody to get sucked into the news and what's happening for just the three first three weeks in January and derail their whole plan. So I guess my feedback would be utilize your experts. Mike and his team are fantastic. They have a ton of resources out there. Josh, as you said, reevaluate the risk tolerance and how your clients are feeling about this stage in their life and if things have changed. And I think more communication is always better. So Mike, I appreciate you joining. It's excellent to have you. Feel free to add this to your resume, you know, right under Fox Business News. And I, 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 oh. I certainly will. Thank you for having me, Jamie and Josh. I'll get you our logo so you can add it, you know, to your, to your bio. I know that'll be a, a key component moving forward. <laughs> Well, thank you both. We will see you next week. Appreciate everybody. Thank you, guys.